This is Florida Matters. I'm Robin Sussingham. Summer is the time when we dream we'll have the leisure to sit down with a good book, or maybe several of them. Maybe you want to use that time to read the Russian novel you never got to in college, or maybe it's a lighthearted romance you can page through at the beach. This week on Florida Matters, we're getting recommendations for summer reads from a local expert, Tampa Bay Times book editor Colette Bancroft. Colette Bancroft, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure as always. So people are looking for a different type of read in the summer, right? You, there's a feeling that you're going to have more leisure time, mm-hmm. you're going to be more relaxed. But even with all that time, you're really not looking for, say, that Russian novel that you always meant to get right. to in college, but you didn't get to. What's summer reading? Well, summer reading, summer reading really varies from person to person. Uh, for some people, it is very... It's entertainment reading. It's whatever, if, if you love a particular genre, and that's the one you pick. For some people, it's romance novels, for example. For some people, it's mysteries or fantasy or horror. But for for other people, it's the kind of thing they read all year, uh, but just the book you haven't gotten to and that you want to be able to spend some time diving into. So it really, it's a very personal thing. We see these it's a beach book and, you know, it should be light and frothy. And, and for some people, that is just what they want, but not necessarily. Well, you're lying there on the beach chair under the umbrella. You don't want to be crying or depressed, yeah, right? No, probably not. Probably not. You're right. Probably not the Russian novel. Probably not the big, heavy nonfiction book about the, you know, biggest battle in the Second World War. Although for some people, that's that's their favorite kind of reading, so... Well, no judgment here. So, but we're talking about books that have come out recently that mm-hmm. maybe have Florida authors right. or are set in Florida. Right. So let's get to it. Dave Barry mm-hmm. has a book out. Yes, he does. And this book actually, it's called Lessons from Lucy. And if you see the cover, you'll see that it's Dave and his dog. Mm. And he said when he started writing this book, uh, Lucy was 10 and he was turning 70, so they were the same age, in dog, you know, if you in do dog. the dog years mm-hmm. thing. And this book actually ended up, it's interesting, got delayed for a year. It was supposed to come out last fall, fall of 2018, and it was finished. It was ready to go. Dave was going to be, as a matter of fact, at the Times Festival of Reading with this book, and we got word that he wasn't going to make it. There was an emergency in his family and that the book had been delayed. As it turns out, what happened was his daughter, who was just about to start college at Duke, healthy, happy, uh, no history of illness or drugs or anything like that, 18-year-old, woke up one morning paralyzed from the waist down. And, I did not know that. Yeah, and well, it's, it's now part of this book. It turned out to be a very rare kind of autoimmune problem that not very many people get, but people who get it sometimes don't survive it. What a nightmare. It was a nightmare. It's very much a nightmare. And the happy ending is she is fine. She recovered, and she is now at school catching up. Back at Duke, I hope. Back at Duke. Duke Duke held her place for her. There you go. But Dave had written the book about his... Lessons from Lucy was about aging and what you can learn from your dog about life. 
and he talked about learning from the dog um, how important it is to live in the present. And, you know, if you have a dog, and I always have dogs, uh, there's nothing better for taking you out of a bad mood or a tragic mood than than your dog. And what Dave did was rewrite the book so that it has, at the end, the story of what happened to his daughter, and he ties all of that in to, you know, lessons from Lucy. So it's um, a heartbreaking book. But it's also, because it's Dave Barry, it's very funny and ultimately very uplifting because it's a, fortunately, a story with a happy ending. So did he make that just sort of as an epilogue? He tacked that on? Yes. About- yeah. The first part of the book is pretty much as he had written it mm-hmm. before all of this happened. So, yeah, it's an epilogue. But it's several chapters because it takes – it's a complicated story, and he tells it very – very openly and very vividly. But as of this taping, Lucy is still with us. Lucy is still with us. Um, I interviewed Dave a couple of months ago. And that was one of one of the things I asked him, and he said, "Oh yeah, she's going strong." So, um, and he's he is going to come back this fall to be in our festival this year, at the Times Festival of Reading with this book. That's a great idea for mm-hmm. a book. And I I saw a video. I haven't read the book yet, but mm-hmm. I saw a video um, of him talking about the book, and yeah. he said. That he's embarrassed to say it as Dave Barry, yeah. but he hopes that people will learn something from the book as right. well as, yeah. you know, be entertained and find it funny. Yeah. yeah, he said when I interviewed him, he said, usually when you read my books, you go away less smart than you were before. <laughs> But he hopes this one, <laughs> that people will learn something from this one. And and I think people will. That's a very Dave Barry thing yes, to say. It is. makes me want to read something of his mm-hmm. right away. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned the Times Festival of Books, and I wanted to mm-hmm. – are there any good festivals going on? When is that? And are there mm-hmm. is there are there any other festivals coming up? Well, the Times Festival is November 9th this year, the Times Festival of Reading. In Florida, the big festival is uh, the Miami Book Festival. Right. And that's uh, Miami International Book Fair, I think is its official name. And that will be a week after our festival. It's in mid-November. It's actually week long. If you love books, it's it's one of the biggest in the country. They bring in around 400 authors. Yeah. So yeah. that's not until the fall. Yes. Nothing this nothing, summer. Nothing through the summer. There are individual author events coming up through the summer, um, including one pretty big one, Colson Whitehead. Colson Whitehead is not a Florida author. He's from New York. But, of course, he's the author of The Underground Railroad, mm-hmm. which a couple of years ago won every book prize there was to win. Um, and just he's a really brilliant author, and every book of his is different. And his new book, which is called The Nickel Boys, which comes out in July, he will be in Tampa on July 25th to talk about that book at the Tampa Theater, and I will be with him, uh, interviewing him on stage. Oh, good. And, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, the book is based on the abuses at the Florida School for Boys, um, which uh, the Times, the Tampa Bay Times, sort of broke that story. Absolutely. Um, and we've done uh, several mm-hmm. Florida Matters, right, and right. Mark Schreiner has done stories yes, yeah. on that as well. We've covered that. Yeah. That story, well, I guess, was begging for a it, novelized yeah, yeah. treatment. And it's been there. there's already been one novel about it by a local author, mystery writer Lori Roy. Her last book that came out last year called The Disappearing 
is based on the Dozier School events. But this is another novel um, that Whitehead has written based on those events. I want to just back up for one second and just make sure that we explain. This is the Dozier School for Boys Mm -hmm. in Mariana, Florida. Right. Over 100 years old, this school. And for many, many decades, just horrendous Mm -hmm. abuses Mm -hmm. um, going on there. Even when politicians would visit, Mm -hmm. one governor, I think, said if if I had a child up there, I'd come up there with a shotgun. Yeah. But nothing ever seemed to happen. Yeah. And it just yeah. went on and on. It operated for over a century. Yeah. yeah. So you're right. So the, mm-hmm. the Times, I don't know, how many years ago was that now? About five or six years yeah. ago? Yeah, yeah. Um, did a series mm-hmm. on it and really mm-hmm. um, brought it all back to right. life. The Times talked to some of the survivors, men who as children, who are now in their 60s, mm-hmm. uh, 70s, I think even, uh, were were horribly abused there and remembered friends of theirs dying. There was the discovery of of unrecorded graves. And the latest news is they've just found a bunch more. I'm glad that we knew there were more. Yeah. So the good news is they were found. This is finally being investigated. So have you had a chance to read this novel? It's not out yet. It's not out yet. I've just started it. What I've read so far is amazing. Is it through the point of view of one particular boy? Can you tell? Yeah, or a couple, a couple of boys, mostly Mm -hmm. one boy, but there are two boys who are kind of central characters. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that's July 25th. He'll be at the Tampa Theater. He'll be at the Tampa Theater. And the book will be out by then. I'm sure he'll be signing it. A couple of, I think, a week before that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you something, Colette. You read and read and read Mm -hmm. for your job. Mm -hmm. Do you ever listen to books on tape? I do sometimes. Um, For a while, I had a long commute, and I listened to them a lot. I listened to audiobooks. Now I have my commute is about five minutes. So, you know, it's not, you get like a paragraph and you're done. But I still listen to them on uh, road trips if I'm driving somewhere. I I like them. Yes. Well, obviously, I'm an audio file. Mm, Sure. But... I love the experience of listening to a book on mm-hmm. tape, but I think it's controversial. My book clubs mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. say, well, this isn't a listening club. <laughs> you know, this is a book club. It is a different it experience. Is. It is a different experience. And, and I'll tell you something that came home to me years back when Elizabeth Gilbert's huge mega-selling Eat, Pray, Love first came out. I picked it up and started reading it, and I didn't like it. I was put off by the persona you know, it's a memoir. And so, you know, the persona, the person telling you the story is what you're reacting to. And I really didn't connect with it. And I put the book down. And then about six months later, I got an audio version of it. And she read it. Elizabeth Gilbert reads the the book herself. And I thought, well, I'll give it another shot, because obviously, millions of people love this book. And I started listening to the audio book. And I loved it. Hmm. Because what came across in the audio book that didn't come across to me on the page, I should have stuck with it longer, was that she was very self-deprecating, that she made fun of herself, that she was not serious a lot of the time, not preachy. And when she did things that in the print version sort of put me off, in the audio version, I could tell she was kind of making fun of herself. Isn't that interesting? When she and was I liked it the book her, much more. Yeah, when she was saying it in her own voice, yep. you kind of got her. Right, right. That's so it really is, interesting. It's a real. It can be a very different experience. So some other Florida-based mm-hmm. authors. You mentioned um, we had talked earlier, mm-hmm. and you mentioned um, mostly dead things. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. This is a new novel by a woman named Kristen Arnett, who lives in Orlando, in the Orlando area, and is a librarian. I think this is her first novel. She has a short story collection. And it's very odd and very funny and very, in the end, in a weird sort of way, heartwarming. Um, (laughs) It's about a family whose family business is taxidermy. It's what the title is a reference to, mostly dead things. It's a father and mother and a son and a daughter. But the main character is the daughter. And she learns taxidermy from her father, is very involved in the business, and then the father dies. And I don't want to give too much away. But, but it's that's a, the whole it, premise of the book. It is kind of the premise of the book. And, and it's how the family copes with his death and also about five years or so before he dies. There's a woman who was her best friend when they were teenagers, I think even earlier from like grade school. And they were best friends. And then they were lovers. And she was madly in love with this girl. But the girl married her brother, Hmm. the main character's brother. And she sort of grew up in their house, and everybody in the family was close to her. And she married the brother and had a kid with him, and then she disappeared. She just dumps everybody and has never been heard from again. And it's a huge loss in the whole family's life. And then when the father dies, it's, you know, they're sort of doubly in mourning. And so it's how they deal with that. And this sounds very sad, I know. It's very depressing. But it's hilarious. Because she's such a good writer, Because she's such a good writer, and she has this sort of mordant, dry sense of humor. And also she, she creates these very vivid, unusual characters. I love books that surprise me. I read so many books that I'm not surprised that often. You know, I can sort of predict, oh, well, you know, I can see who's going to marry who or I can figure out who killed the the guy or whatever. I love a book that surprises me, and this one did. And I wanted to read this review for NPR because this is Mm -hmm. quite a compliment. This is Ilana Massage. And a review for NPR said, quote, its narrator is so real that every time I stopped reading the book, I felt a tiny pull at the back of my mind as if I'd left a good friend in the middle of a conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she is that kind of character. Yeah, That's good writing. It is. It is good writing. So Kristen Arnett, She is a librarian based in Orlando, Mm -hmm. and for a long time, Colette, writers were told that if you want to be taken seriously, you really have to live in New York City. Mm. So I'm wondering if that's still true, um, if Florida writers have a more difficult time getting taken seriously, Mm -hmm. getting an agent, because I know, you know, when you'll see even in uh, magazine articles, they'll always say, you know... Joe Schmo is a writer based in New York City. Mm-hmm. Like that gives him a little bit more credence. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think certainly the publishing industry, the the largest portion of it is based in New York. And if you want to be taken seriously as a writer, b- become successful as a writer, you need a connection to that. But I don't think I don't think it's true that you have to live there. I think, you know, we have a lot of wonderful writers in Florida who have been hugely successful. Uh, last year, one of our own writers, Jack Davis, won the Pulitzer Prize for his book, The Gulf. 
And he listeners, in, yeah. please refer to our Florida Matters yes, yes, on that from exactly, just a few weeks ago. Exactly. And he lives in Gainesville. You know, he teaches at the University of Florida. Carl Hyacin has sold, I don't even know how many millions of books. And he writes, not only does he live in Florida, he writes about Florida. And that's true of a lot of other writers. And who else? You, you mentioned Thomas Harris mm, wrote yeah. a thriller Yes. Thomas Harris is an example of a Florida writer who doesn't need to live in New York to be a multi-million seller. Thomas Harris is the author of The Silence of the Lambs, and he's one of the best-selling authors in America, and he lives in Miami, Mm. and he has for a long time. And he's chosen not to be part of that scene. He hasn't done an interview in something like 20 years, and it doesn't stop his books from selling. Don't tell people that, Colette. (laughs) (laughs) We want everyone to think they they need to be They won't talk to us again. Um, He uh, published Carrie Mora um, this year, and it's his first book in, I believe, 13 years. Um, He wrote a couple of sequels to Silence of the Lambs about Hannibal Lecter. Right, yeah, I remember that, and and uh, which also did well, not as not quite as well as Silence of the Lambs, which is one of those you know record breaking blockbuster books, but he hasn't published in over a decade, and of course didn't really need to. He could have just retired, but his new book Carrie Mora is set in Miami. What does this mean? It's C A R I M O R A. It's a character's name. The main character's name is Carrie Mora, and she's a refugee from Central America, from a country at war. Uh, she was driven from the country after various terrible events, including being kidnapped at the age of 12 and impressed as a child soldier and taught basically to be an assassin. And so she's fled to the United States, and she's keeping a low profile and trying to get legal status. And she's working basically as a a caretaker at a mansion in Miami that had once belonged to an El Chapo sort of drug lord cartel figure from Colombia. And the house allegedly has a fortune in gold buried somewhere that a lot of bad people are trying to find. So she gets caught up in the search for that big pile of gold. And it's a th- it, this is a kind of classic summer read in, in that it's a, a fast-paced thriller. The Silence of the Lambs, to me, was almost was a horror mm-hmm. story mm-hmm. also, yeah. even more than just a it was. thriller. Yeah. yeah, Silence of the Lambs, what's memorable about Silence of the Lambs, of course, is Hannibal Lecter. Uh, that character is was a unique invention, and he's hard to forget. Right. And this book is more of a straight-ahead thriller. There, there are certainly some very awful people, one in particular, but it, it's more a thriller than that kind of... Silence of the Lambs is both kind of a horror story and a personal relationship between Hannibal and Clarice Starling. This is very plot driven. It yeah, it's like. very. This is more plot driven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, what did you think of it? I liked it. I like. I don't think it's as good a book as Silence of the Lambs, but I liked it. It's a good. It is a good summer read. It's a good fast paced thriller, and Carrie is a good heroine. So I imagine some of her training from her yes. child soldier days comes mm-hmm. into Yes, exactly. 
All right. And a different kind of book. I wanted to talk about Sunset Beach by mm-hmm. Mary Kay Andrews. Mm-hmm. This was set. Mary Kay Andrews is her nom de pen. Yes. And mm-hmm. she but she is from St. Petersburg. Yes, she is. Her, her real name is Kathy Hogan Trocek is her married name. She was born in St. Pete, grew up in St. Pete, and then uh, left when she became a journalist and did that for a while, then started writing books. And Mary Kay Andrews is her her pen name for a number of books she's done that are classic beach books. Um, They're sort of a mix of romance novel and mystery, and they're comic. She's a funny, witty writer. And some of them have have been related to Florida. Some of them have been set other places. But this one, Sunset Beach, she said was kind of her valentine to St. Petersburg. And what she does in this book, it the main story takes place in the present day. And it's a young woman who's been living on the east coast of Florida, and her life has kind of fallen apart. You know, she was she's had an injury and she's had a breakup, and her mother has died. So she moves back to St. Petersburg because her father lives in St. Pete and is one of those personal injury lawyers, you know, who have billboards and TV ads, and he's very, very successful. So she comes back to get a job from him, and also there's a little house on Sunset Beach that she inherited from her mother. And she remembers it fondly from childhood, and it's kind of a mess because it's been a rental and it's been vacant. And so she's going to rehab this house, and she's going to, you know, try to pull herself together and and work for her father. And her father has remarried the main character's best friend from childhood. Well, this sounds like a fun book. So, yeah, it's an interesting situation. She's, uh, you know— Talk about an evil stepmother. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, there's like, you know, she's working in her father's office and there's two cute guys. And, you mm-hmm. know, there's a which cute guy will it be? Yeah. Um, that element. But but there's also another story. She begins kind of investigating a case that her father handled that didn't turn out the way she thinks it should have. And she also finds a sort of mystery related to her parents' past. And what Mary Kay Andrews does is take a real case that happened actually happened in Georgia uh, back in the 60s, but it was the disappearance of a young woman who was, as far as anyone knew, happily married to a young lawyer, I think, and you know, had a good life, and she went shopping with a friend, and they had lunch, and she left, and no one ever saw her again. And she was never found, and there were never any plausible leads. And it, this is still a cold case all these years later. Mary Kay Andrews weaves this into the book, moving that case, a fictional version of it, to St. Petersburg. And her character finds these weird connections to that case. As she's rehabbing her grandparents' house, she finds, like, newspaper clippings about this woman's disappearance from many, many years ago. And she doesn't even know who the woman is. So she weaves that into the book. And also what she does is that allows her to sort of go back to St. Petersburg in the 60s and the 70s when she was a kid there, when the the author was growing up there, and things like, you know, shopping at Moss Brothers and eating at Munch's Diner and the days when the Don Cesar was derelict 
and had, you know, razor wire around it so you couldn't sneak in there and neck, but kids did it anyway. And so it lets her, you know, bring her own past in St. Pete into this the present day story in this book. And it's really fun. If you if you grew up around here as I did, I grew up in Tampa. Um, it's a real blast from the past. It sounds like a fun fun read. It's a very fun read, yeah. So I'm a little confused. Does it take place in the 60s, or is she just, like, remembering? She's she's not remembering. She's too young to remember. Uh But she's there are chapters from the point of view of this woman who disappeared. Disappeared. Okay, I see. So it's set in present day. Yes, it's set. The story, the the main story of the book is present day. Mm -hmm. But But as she delves into this case... The book incorporates chapters that are set back this then. This sounds like the definition of a beach read to oh, me. Oh, yeah, it is. It is. So it's yeah. sort of a romance, mm-hmm. Uh, mystery. Mm-hmm. And funny and, and, you know. Coming of age, sort of. Coming of age, yeah. 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 So it's got all those so those that, good things. And she's a, and she's a really... A really good, entertaining writer, too. So, so this is Sunset Beach by mm-hmm. Mary Kay Andrews. Mm-hmm. Okay, so before we leave, let's talk about one more. Okay. Coming up in the fall, uh, at the end of the summer, is a very Florida book by a very Florida writer, Les Standiford, who for years has been on the faculty at Florida International University. And he also is now, for the last several years, the director of the Writers in Paradise Conference at Eckerd College in St. Petersburg. And he's published many, many, many books, uh, both fiction and nonfiction. He's written about uh, the competition between Henry Plant and Henry Flagler, for example. He wrote a book a few years back called The Man Who Invented Christmas about Charles Dickens that was made into a movie uh, that didn't have a Florida connection. I don't think Dickens ever got to Florida, but it's a good book. But his new book that's coming out in the fall is called Palm Beach, Mar-a-Lago, and the Rise of America's Xanadu. And the book deals just a little at the end about the current occupant of Mar-a-Lago, but it is a history of the city of Palm Beach, which is a very unusual community, and Mar-a-Lago itself and how it was built, and who its various owners have been. And Les is a really good historian. He's he's a really meticulous researcher, and he's also a very lively writer. So I have read some of his other Florida history books, and they're terrific. They're really good. That's going to be a good one. That it's comes be out great. That comes out, I believe, in September, and he's also going to be at the Festival of Reading. Festival of Reading. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Colette Bancroft, thank you so much for being here. It's been great hearing about all these books. I look forward to reading some of them. I hope you do. And it's always fun to talk about books. As much as I do it, I always enjoy it. So it's been a pleasure. That's it for today's show. You can find a list of all the books that we discussed on our website, WUSFnews.org. Just click on the Florida Matters tab. And you can listen to us wherever it's convenient for you by subscribing to our podcast. Search for Florida Matters wherever you get your podcasts. Our show is a production of WUSF Public Media and is produced by Stephanie Colombini. I'm Robin Sessingham. Thanks for listening.